You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Okay, I'm going to ask you, wherever you're located, maybe in Olathe or in the venue, the Overland Park or Overland Park uh, Auditorium, Overland Park Campus, uh, maybe you're online somewhere, think back at a time in your life when you, <clears throat> you got good news. You heard good news. Like, when's the last time you actually heard, it might be a little bit amount of good news, might be huge good news, but think back to a moment. Can you remember a moment you heard good news? Like, how did that make you feel in that moment? I mean, hearing Hearing good news, it affects the whole being, the whole person. So I, I, I was thinking about when do I hear good news myself? And uh, in, like in the mornings, if I go downstairs and the coffee is made, I'm telling you, I can smell the good news on the way down the stairs. It's, it's awesome. The coffee has been made. That's, that's good news. Um, so I'd recently, in my time with God, I'd gone away totally from technology. I found myself being diverted with news and headlines and all sorts of crazy stuff. So I'm back to paper Bible, paper journal. It's been, it's been amazing, writing letters to God. But I wanted to get a Bible cover, so Karina and I go out to look for Bible covers. We go to one Christian bookstore. Here are the options I have at one Christian bookstore. This is not a happy face. I've either got a, a, a hashtag blessed purse or ye old Bible cover. So uh, that's bad news, by the way. So I didn't feel really good. We go to a different Christian bookstore. I do find a nice leather, black, simple, soft Bible cover to keep kind of my, my journal and things together. But that was good news. I found it. It was, it was good news. Uh, we'll go back like almost four years ago now to the, where our family's in court. There's a picture with the judge. We hold little Malin. And this is called Gotcha Day, the day that your adoption is announced to be final and that was, like, this was the end of a long journey for us. And it was really good news. And so, I mean, think about it. Good news has the ability to change, change your mind, change your heart, change your life. It changed our minds. This girl is a Howie. It changed our minds. It changed our hearts. She's ours. And she gets us for better or for worse, right? And it changed all of our lives. Every life in that photo was, was changed. And good news has that ability. So being around a church... You know, part of our, our role for each other is, is to pray for each other. I hope you get prayer at visitgracechurch.com. This pr- weekly prayer letter goes out, and you can send in your prayer requests. I pray through each one of those. It's lots of bad news. Like, we're praying for bad news, hoping it turns into good news. And so we get good news back. I got a job. That's good news. Like, you're praying for them, you get a job. That's awesome. Uh, you hear a couple, they're going to reconcile. Man, I've been praying for them. That's good news. Um, somebody you're praying for is sick, and the doctor declares them cancer-free. That's good news. So here's the deal. We're starting a brand new series. It's called Good News. You know that moment, that feeling you hear good news? It, it's just, because something's at risk. So God, when God was looking for a word that he's going to communicate to us what the story of Jesus is all about. And guys, there's so much bad news in the news. In fact, news could be called the bad news. Like the, most of it, 90% is just bad news. When God was looking for a word to capture, what is the story of Jesus all about? He picked a word in Greek that we get the word evangelism from, which literally means, this word in Greek means good news. We call the word the gospel. We're going to start a four-week series 
on the gospel. Why would, call, why would God call the story of Jesus good news? Because it is. God, in fact, God hopes this. God hopes that the, you, your encounter with the gospel, the good news of Jesus, not only impacts you today, like at some point it, it, that you had an encounter with Jesus, that you, you got it, you believed it so much, you got it, you received it. Have you done that? Have you gotten the gospel so much, you finally believed it, that you got it, you received it in your soul? Like that's one engagement with the gospel. It changed. For me, it happened at 19, and I was never the same. And then God hopes that the rest of your life, the day you wake up, every day you wake up, you never get over it. Some Christians act like they've kind of gotten over the good news of the gospel. Hey, yeah, I became a Christian back then. Seriously, every day you wake up, you, what's it look like to not get over the gospel? You are standing on the truth of the gospel. You base your life on it every single day you wake up. You are holding on to the truth of the good news of Jesus, what it means for what you know about God, about yourself, about other people, about the future, about the world. That's what it means to never get over. Have you gotten over the gospel? So we're going to talk about this today. We're going to talk about what is the gospel. So if you're in an elevator, you've got, you got 30 seconds with somebody, and they say, hey, I've been thinking, uh, what is the gospel? How would you answer them? You've got 30 seconds. What would you say the gospel is among many different things? Yes, it's all of the story of Jesus. We're going to go to a passage today in a moment that distills the gospel down to its four essential elements. That you could in the elevator say, hey, I can tell you what the gospel is. It is this. One, two, three, four. It's about Jesus. Let's pray. God, I pray, I do pray um, that we people could know what the gospel is, understand what the gospel is. What is the gospel? It's the good news. The story of Jesus is good news for us. It's good news for the universe. It's good news for our sins. It's good news for worshiping you it's good news for being for freedom it's good news for love and i pray you'd help us to see what the gospel is help us to unpack that passage that we're going to look at today help us be able to answer somebody and that story has power romans 1 says it has the power to change a mind change a heart change a life god please i pray every single person maybe they're online olathe and Overland park i pray they would look back and Examine again, have they really gotten it? Did they ever really get it? Believe enough that they received it. And have they, have they gotten over it? Or they've never gotten over it. Every single day they wake up, they're just so thankful once again. Their life is transformed forever. Everything is based on the good news of Jesus. Everything in their lives. I pray this, Lord. What is the gospel? Share this with us, Lord. Open our eyes. Give us the good news in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to be in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, where, where Paul distills the gospel down. If you want to grab a Bible or go online or in our locations, you can get a Bible from an usher. Just raise your hand. They'll get you a Bible that you can borrow or keep. If you do borrow one of our church Bibles, uh, you can keep it if you want. Turn to page 1,323. Okay, 1,323. There you're there at 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, so we're going to walk through this passage right now. Paul here is talking to the Corinthian church. Every time you hear, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. You should think messed up church. 1 Corinthians is the worst church in history. I mean, you can't get much worse than that. All the crazy stuff going on there. Every topic is a disaster area. But there's always hope for every messed up church because 2 Corinthians was written. 
Like they grew through these issues. God loves his church. It's like his wife. It's his body. He loves his church. And so this is messed up. They're messed up on the resurrection. They're questioning whether the resurrection ever happened. Paul says, how could you do that? That's one of the four key elements, the resurrection of the gospel. And so we're going to walk through it. But he first begins in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. He talks about the lifelong engagement with the gospel, like the day you get it. Verse 1, the day you get it in your heart, you receive it. Have you gotten it? And if you have, have you ever gotten over it? Are you still standing every day when you get up standing on the truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus? And he, go, he reverses the order in verse 2. He says, have you got, he says, uh, no, are you, are you, have you gotten over it yet? Are you still holding on to the truth of the gospel? Then he goes back to, well, did you ever get it in the first place? Did you ever believe in the first place? He kind of reverses the order. So verse 1 and 2, look what it says, 1 Corinthians 15. He says, moreover, brethren... I declare to you the gospel, the word literally means good news in Greek, which I preached to you back when he started the church, which also you received. Okay, that's the day you get it. You get it in your soul. You receive it, embrace it. Have you gotten it? Have you received it? And in which you stand, have you ever gotten over it? Or do every day when you wake up, you get out of bed, you set your feet on the ground, you are standing that day on the truth of the gospel. You've never gotten over this good news. He reverses the order in verse 2. By which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preach to you. That's never getting over it. Every day also you're holding fast to the truths about who God is. He is both justice and he's love. And he's in charge. And he has a plan for your life. About yourself, you, your sins were dealt with. They were forgiven. You used to sin. Your, soul, your flesh has sinned. They sinned, but, but not the real you. Like you're holding on to these truths of the gospel. He says, did you ever get it? Verse 2. Unless, unless you believed in vain. Unless you never really got it in the first place. So he says, I mean, he just brings up again. I'll ask you again. Have you had both engagements with the gospel? Have you... Have you believed it? You got it so much, you got it. Like, I know that I did. And I know it because we'll talk about that next week, how you can know there's a, there's a power, a presence inside me that's not me. That's how you know. And have you ever gotten over the gospel? Or does it impact everything you view every single day? Now, let's walk through the gospel story. Verse, uh, verse 3 through 8 it's four elements, died, buried, rose, seen, 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 seen. Those are the four. Hey, that's your elevator speech. Well, Jesus died for your sins, and he was buried, and he rose again, and he was seen, he was seen. He was, that's the essential elements. And this passage, by the way, many people believe, is one of the earliest writings of Christianity, that Paul is quoting an early confessional, that you could not join a church or be baptized Unless you repeated and agreed with these four elements. Like that's how early this passage is. It says in verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, um, that Christ died. There's the first element of the gospel. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Okay, death. The death of Christ is the first key element of the gospel. And, verse 4. That he was buried. Okay, second key element of the skeleton outline is that Jesus Christ, his body was actually, his dead body was actually buried. Third key element, verse 4. And that he rose. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. 
There's a third key element. Yes, he died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried. He rose again. Fourth key element. He's going to repeat this four times. He was seen, 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 seen. Verse 5. And that he was seen by Cephas. That's Peter. Then by the 12. There's the 12 apostles. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. Most of those 500 witnesses up in the north in Galilee were still alive at the time. But some have fallen asleep. Some have died. After that, he was seen by James. That's the younger half-brother of Jesus. Then by all the apostles. All the apostles. Well, he made 12 apostles. He sent them out to make 70 more. The 70 saw him. And last of all, he was seen by me also. There's Paul on the road to Damascus. As by one born out of due time. Okay, there's our elevator speech. What is the, hey, what is the gospel? Well, it's the fact that, that Jesus died for our sins. The Messiah died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He rose again. And he was seen by people, seen by people, seen by people, seen by people. That's how we know. And so let's kind of unpack. I was thinking about how weird the gospel is. Like, there's no other context with this message of death, burial, resurrection, being seen. In no other context is this good news. Like, pretty much, it's weird news at best. Bad news sometimes. We got, let's just break this day, these four parts down. What is the good news? The story of Jesus changes our lives. Number one, if you're taking notes, this go through these four words. Died, buried, rose, seen. Based on the word died, what is the good news? Well, the gospel is, number one, the good news. Somebody died. Man, that is awesome. I got good news for you. Somebody died. Man, that's good news. You're in a meeting. Oh, man, I'm kind of down. You're at school. I just wish someone could cheer me up with some good news. I can tell you something. Joe died. Well, that's awesome. Did Joe die? Now, I would say, if there is somebody in this world that you would think, well, if they died, maybe that might be good news. That is not a Christian thought. That is not a thought from God. But the good news, our good news is the story that somebody died. How weird is that? He says this in verse uh, verse 3. He, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Here is the good news, the essential element, that Christ is the Messiah. The word Christ is the Greek word for anointed. Same word in Hebrew, that's Messiah. The Jewish Messiah came and was killed. That's the good news. That's weird, but he was killed for our sins. That actually is really good news. You see, your sin is anytime you say something that's against God's will or do something that's against God's will or allow a thought to stay in you and think something that's against God's will. And God doesn't like want to hold you back from goodness. He's trying to hold you from hurting yourself. That's what sin does. Sin kills things in you and things in other people, connections to others and, and to God and yourself. It kills those things. Jesus, Jesus died for all of your sins. Like, if we could get up here and grab a microphone and grab the videotape of you at your most horrifically embarrassing moments, just kind of, kind of break it down in super slow-mo and talk about those things, you'd be horrified and guilty and, oh my, I, I can't believe this. Jesus died, so those sins are gone. Forgiven. Like it never happened. 
That's good news. That's great news. And he did. He died according to the scriptures. You can write down three passages. You can go back and find predictions of the death of the Messiah. Exodus 12, Psalm 22, Isaiah 53. Like he died according to the scriptures. Exodus 12 predicted it. Psalm 22 predicted it. Isaiah 53. I mean, it's, our good news starts with the weirdest news that somebody died. And that's awesome somebody died. Here's the second weird thing about the gospel. Death burial is the next one and so number two the gospel is the good news a body was buried i got great news for i'm kind of down today well, you want great news you know bob's body we buried it that is really good news you know i was concerned that bob's body wasn't buried but to hear bob's body was buried that's really pretty good news like in what kind of unless you're in organized crime and you're trying to bury the body. Tell me in what context that a burial is good news. But so here, here's the story. He says in verse 4, and that he was buried. That's the second key element. He, the Messiah who was dead, was buried. Here's why that's actually really good news. We need this as part of the gospel because there are groups in this world who don't believe Jesus died. Well, some people don't even believe Jesus lived. They might as well deny Abraham Lincoln lived. Because you could write down two historians who are not Christians who has the story of Jesus recorded in their history. You can write down Josephus, 93 AD, a Jewish historian who records the gospel. There was a man named Jesus, a great teacher, worker of miracles, and he, was, he died and was reported to have been risen. Like he knew the story of the gospel, this lost Jewish historian, Josephus, 93 AD, within 60 years. People alive still then when he's writing this. You can write down Tacitus, 116 AD. The Roman historian Tacitus, who has no interest in Jesus, records there was a man named Jesus who was killed by the, Roman, the, the authorities. So denying Jesus' existence is crazy. Might as well deny George Washington exists. But here's the deal. That burial is really important because there's people around the world like Muslims. We have one of the largest mosques in the Midwest built one mile away from our Overland Park campus. We have Muslims moving here to be near their mosque. And one of their beliefs, they believe in Jesus. They call him Isa. He's in the Quran. Here's the issue. They don't believe Isa died. Our gospel has the good news that a body was buried and they need to hear that. Because the people who lived back then closest to it never disputed his death. They never said, well, he swooned, he didn't really die. In fact, the Muslims believe he was caught up like Elijah into heaven, directly into heaven, a great man who will be the right-hand man of Muhammad returning one of these days, the assistant to Muhammad coming back. That's who Isa is to them. But Isa, Jesus is the one who died, was buried, and his tomb was real. He had a real burial, and no one disputed his burial. They need to hear the good news that a body was buried. All right, there's a third element of the gospel. He died. Good news, somebody died. Good news, we got that body buried. I got one more good news. Number three is based on rose. Number three, the gospel is the good news. A corpse rose again. I got really good news. You know, I was visiting his funeral home the other day. And this one dude got up. I got really good news. Now, I'm pretty sure that is the uh, basis of every TV show like The Walking Dead and every other zombie movie ever made. And I'm telling you, in none of those TV shows or movies is a zombie good news. They're always bad news. They're always trying to kill them again. 
But that's the story. Our story is a corpse rose again. That's what he says in verse 4. He says, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. It is good news that the Messiah conquered death. It's good news. You don't have to be afraid of death. It's good news the resurrection of your body is good. It's coming. It's good news when your body's breaking down that you'll get a new body. One of these days, that's not hurting and broken or diseased or whatever. It is good news that the Messiah rose. That's like really good news. And he rose again the third day, which is why the third day is always a key phrase throughout the Bible. You see the word third day? I was reading in John chapter 2. And he says, on the third day this happened. Well, why would he even say that? Why would God inspire that? He's reminding you, this is connected to the resurrection power. The third day. Okay, resurrection power. And it's according to the scriptures. So the scriptures even predicted the Messiah would rise. You can write down Psalm, three Psalms. Psalm 16, 68, and 110. 16, 68, and 110, all Psalms talk about the resurrection of the Messiah. This was predicted by God. That is good news. A corpse rose again. A fourth one. He died, buried, rose, and was seen, 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 seen. The gospel number four, based on seen, is the good news. The dead was seen alive. It's the good news the dead was seen alive. Now, this is awesome for us because you don't have to believe the Bible is the word of God or inspired. If you treat the Bible, these letters, like any historic document, the best, uh, the best uh, conclusion you get from the evidence we have is that there was a man named Jesus who died and rose. And you may not believe in the Bible or in Jesus being God, but you've got to believe, okay, the resurrect, somebody resurrected Because all these people who were cowards, who did not believe, became courageous. How do you turn a man who was on the way to murder our people, Christians, and on the way converts? How do you explain that? You can't explain that. The resurrection Jesus visited him and turned him, stopped him. Look, here's all these scenes. Verse, uh, this is awesome. Verse 5. And that he was seen by Cephas. I mean, Peter the, Peter, the denier of Jesus, the guy who ran off and cried because he denied, he swore he'd never deny him. I will, these losers may deny you, but I won't deny you. Deny him three times. That man became courageous. He had visited Peter. And then he was seen by the 12, which includes doubting Thomas, who missed the first meeting. He shows up the second meeting. He touches him. Okay, these guys believe because they touched him. They heard him. They ate with him. They saw him. And all these guys got horrifically murdered and would not escape torture if they just would say this was not true. This is all historic fact. Like, these all guys got murdered, tortured, martyred because they would not deny the truth. The next verse. And he was, after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. But some have fallen asleep. Paul's saying, track down these people. They're up in the north in the Galilee. You can meet them and interview them. Over 500 people saw him, heard him, touched him. After that, he was seen by James. Well, that's a horrible job, being the younger half-brother of Jesus. Don't you know, growing up, it was always this way. Why aren't you more like Jesus? Jesus does everything right. I never had this problem with Jesus. Why are you doing this? It got to the point where Mary, even his own mom, Mary, <clears throat> thought, he was, thought Jesus was nuts. 
shows up with James, the other brothers, trying to call him out. This is where they heal the man, the paralyzed man brought down. They're trying to call him out. They think he's crazy. Jesus visits James, and he sees him. He touches him. He hears him, who writes the book of James, converts instantly because he saw Jesus, his older half-brother. Then, by all the apostles, he visited the 70, not just the 12, but the 70 more. Last of all, he was seen by me also. This Paul, the man who's on his way to murder Christians and on the way with letters to murder Christians, on the way, he tears them up and joins them. How do you explain that? You can't explain that. Other than he was seen, he was seen, he was seen, he was seen. Guys, this is good news. The gospel is good news. What's it look like to really get the good news? Like, would you really get, so for me, when I was, I was in Blue Springs, I was a between my freshman and sophomore year. What's it look like to embrace this good news for yourself? It means that you, you know you were in a hopeless situation. You don't have any good news without the risk of bad news. The opposite. And then you realize God, did, God loves you so much, he did everything to reach you. Have you ever had someone just die for you? How many people have had someone just die personally for you? Because they knew you. Not, I mean, they, many people die for our nation and die for the Bible. Uh, all those people died for us in general, but specifically for you. How many people have died for you personally? Likely one. Jesus. How many people were buried for you personally? Because he loves you. How many people rose again from the dead for you personally? How many people were seen, were seen for you? Like when you get it, you know that like, the day you get it, if you actually get it so much, you get it, you believe it so much, you receive it, you know God loves you, you were hopeless, and your job is not to work harder or try harder. Your job is to believe more. It's by faith. You accept it by faith, not by trying harder. It's counterintuitive. And every day the rest of your life, you wake up, you never get over it. What's it look like to never get over it? So I was praying. I was, I was begging God, as I do each week, for an illustration or something to communicate what it looks like to never get over the gospel. And I thought of my mom. This is her 18th anniversary of being dead, and now she's alive. So here's a picture of my mom and the girls. This is Christmas Eve. I'll go left to right. So that is my sister on the left, and then my mom and my niece and my daughter, Karina, my older daughter, Karina. Those are the girls. This is after Christmas Eve uh, candlelight services. This is at her house. We said, well, that's not all the girls. Where's your wife? She's helping me take pictures. Okay, but where's your daughter, Malin? Next photo. Where's Malin? Man down. <laughs> so in the excitement of all the present opening of her, her presence and everybody else's presence, by the way, they're all her presence. Um, and so very disappointing when somebody else gets a present. Man down. So, <clears throat> I was talking to my mom uh, recently. I thought about her because it was 18 years ago. 18 years ago, she was dead and is alive. So, she's in her mid-50s. She's a, she's a teacher. And this is right after the New Year's. It's like 9 in the morning. Or no, 10 in the morning on a Sunday morning. She's working with plants. Roger, my stepdad, is out. And my mom loves plants. And so, she reached up to grab something and, and her arm hurt. Ugh. She'd not been feeling well recently. She'd gone to the doctor recently, and the doctor says, listen, there's a flu going around. It's nothing more than a flu. Just kind of stick it out. 
Well, she sits down. She doesn't fear real well. My mom is a believer in Jesus Christ. She's a part of our church. The church teaches like our Grace Kids ministry on Saturday nights. So she's part of our church. She became a Christian when she was a teenager. Anyway, she sits down and she has this thought, I wonder if it's my heart. See, back in November, she was walking through the school uh, hallways and she was feeling terrible. And, you know, could it be sickness? And she had the thought. She believes God placed the thought on her. Get your heart checked. She gets her heart checked. Yeah, something's not right. She gets a stent or stents put in her. They gave her nitroglycerin pills. You ever feel bad, really bad, take these. And they told her, if you take a nitroglycerin pill, if you're not having a heart attack, you're going to get good news in this massive headache. The massive headache is good news. But if you did no massive headache, well, that's bad news. You're having a heart attack. She takes nitro pill. No headache. Bad news. Calls Roger. Roger comes home. They call 911. Paramedics arrive. They load her into the, uh, into the ambulance. She's on her front driveway. They're getting ready to drive away. Um, Roger, uh, my stepdad, has his car. He's going to follow them over, and the, the ambulance is not moving. It's not driving away. And he looks at it, and the ambulance is rocking. Why is the ambulance rocking? So he walks over to the back of the ambulance. He peers inside the window, and he sees, he sees the ambulance drivers pounding as hard as they can on her chest. My stepdad likely freaks out and tries to get in. So glad those things lock. He would not be a help at that moment. They had no time. Her heart had stopped. They took the paddles. There's no, none of the salve or the material on the goo on there. They just, bam! Nothing. Turn it up again. Bam! She tells me this after a death experience she has. These four-year-old girls and boys all dressed up. She's holding hands. She actually knows one of them because that four-year-old, one of them was an eighth grader in her class that she taught. And at one point, my mom says, um, the girl said to her, she said to her, we got to go. And they grabbed hands and she opened her eyes. And my mom, the first thing my mom asked was, was how long was I out? And they said, well, oh, oh, they had the wrong name. Only 90 seconds, Barbara, or something like that. Like, like she's also hard of hearing. I don't know why people who are older are also hard of hearing by nature. So, uh, but she ran the numbers, 90 seconds. Okay, I, d- I didn't get brain damage. She was asking to figure out whether she would have brain damage or not. Which, thinking that... Shows you, you likely don't have brain damage, which is awesome. But I asked my mom what it's like. So this, this is what it's like to never get over the gospel. My mom has never gotten over the gospel as a teenager. And being, she was dead 18 years ago in her mid-50s. And she knows God got all this stuff to, to save her life. She was dead and she's alive. She was dead and she's alive. I said, Mom, what's that like? She says, Tim, every day I wake up, every day, I say, thank you. Every day, I, she talks about my daughter, Karina. She says, I would have missed Karina. My, my daughter, Karina, is always the first person she brings up. She's born that year. Every day, she says, I have gratitude. Every day, I'm thankful. Every day. That's what it looks like to never get over the gospel, that every day you wake up, you never get over it. Every day you wake up, you think back to that. You were dead and you're alive. Every day you wake up, you feel loved. You feel gratitude. You feel like you, you got a, a win today already. 
Have you gotten over the gospel? It is good news. There's so much bad news out there. It is good news. And in my engagement with the gospel, I just keep growing in different ways. I just see myself differently, see others different, the world differently. Guys, have you received it? I'm, I'm horrified to think there's people who are part of Grace Church who have not received it. Do you get up every day? I've been revived again, going back to paper, away from my smartphone and tablet, writing just dear Lord letters every single day, dear Lord, and just pouring out whatever it is. Not, I've never gotten over it. And I feel, feel so powerless to communicate this because I want you to, I want you to feel what I feel. I want you to see what I see even more, even more than that. Peace and love and joy and gratitude and confidence no matter what's going on. Let's pray. God, I pray that if those people, maybe they're online, who knows where they are, Olathe Overland Park, if they have not received Christ, that right now they would get it so much they get it. They would believe it so much they receive it right now. Help them also that have received the gospel to think back. Think about their engagement with the gospel. Are they standing on the gospel, in the gospel every day? Are they holding fast to the word the good news of the gospel. Lord, move among us. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.